So today's episode is about Henriette DeLille. Mother Henriette Diaz DeLille was born in 1813 and died in 1862. She was a black Catholic nun in the United States who founded the Sisters of the Holy Family in 1836 and served as their first mother superior. She was only the second African-American to serve in such a role after servant of God, Mother Mary Lange. And I made an episode about Mother Mary Lange on my website, sdcason.com. Go over there, um, click biographies, and you will see a uh, biography about Mother Mary Lange. It is very interesting, so go check it out. Composed of free women of color, uh, and free women, women of color were people of mixed African, European, and sometimes Native American descent who were never slaves. So composed of free women of color, the order provided nursing care and a home for orphans, later establishing schools as well. They taught enslaved children when such education was illegal. In 1988, the order formally opened the cause with the Holy See of the canonization of Henriette DeLille. Canonization is a very interesting process, hard to describe in a few seconds, but I do have a whole episode about it. So go to sdcason.com and go to the about page and you will see canonization, the episode on canonization over there. In two, 2010, Pope Benedict XVI declared DeLille to be venerable. And venerable is the third step. Um, sorry, the third, is it the third or second? I don't remember. It's the second step. It's the second step in canonization. And that just means that the person has been accepted into the process with Rome, and then they have to have a miracle. And the next step would be blessed. Uh, Mother Henriette DeLille actually has a miracle attributed to her intercession, and that happened in 2013, so she could be a blessed very soon. Let's talk about her early life. Henriette DeLille was born in New Orleans, Louisiana on Thursday, March 11 of 1813. Her mother, Mary Joseph Poupon Diaz, was a free woman of color of New Orleans. Her father, Jean-Baptiste Little Sarpy, was born about 1758 in France. Their union was a common law marriage typical of the contemporary placage system. And that's just a system of law um, in uh, French and Spanish slave colonies. She had a brother, Jean DeLille, and other siblings. Their maternal grandparents were Juan Jose Diaz, a Spanish merchant, and Henriette Laveau, a Creole of color. Their paternal grandparents were Charles Sarpy and Suzanne Trenti, both natives of France. Her maternal grandmother is said to be Cecile Marth Basile de Bril, a woman of color considered to be a daughter of Claude Villars de Bril, born in 1716, who immigrated to Louisiana from France. Henriette and her family lived in the French Quarter, not far from St. Louis Cathedral. Trained by her mother in French literature, music, and dance, in dancing, Henriette was groomed to find a white, wealthy male partner in the placage system, which was a type of common law marriage. Her mother, was also, her mother also taught her nursing skills in how to prepare medicines from herbs. As a young mixed-race woman, under the watchful eye of her mother, Henriette attended many quadroon balls, and a, a quadroon or quadron was a person with one quarter African and three quarters European ancestry, um, a chief element of their social world. The balls were attended by Creole free women of color and by Creole white men looking for young women as placage partners. Raised as Roman Catholic in the French tradition, DeLille was drawn instead to a strong religious belief in the teaching of the Catholic Church and resisted the life her mother suggested. She became an outspoken opponent of placage in which generally young French or European American men had extended relationships or common law marriages 
with free women of color. The men often later married white European women after they were established financially. The men entered into contracts with the mothers of the young women of color, promising support and sometimes education of their mixed race children, as well as financial settlements. In cases where a young woman was enslaved, the man might free her and their children. Some men maintained a relationship with a woman of color after marriage, while others remained bachelors. DeLille believed the system was a violation of the Catholic sacrament of marriage, and I'd have to agree. Henriette was influenced by Sister Marthe Fontaine, who had opened a school in New Orleans for girls of color. In 1827, at the age of 14, the well-educated Henriette began teaching at the local Catholic school. Over the next several years, her devotion to caring for and educating the poor grew, causing conflict with her mother. DeLille was confirmed in 1834, and confirmation is the sealing of Christianity created in baptism. It's an affirmation of the commitment and belief those being confirmed are known as confirmands. And she got her confirmation in 1834. That's pretty cool to know. During documentation of the sainthood cause for DeLille, the congregation found funeral records from the 1820s that suggested that as a teenager, she may have given birth to two sons, each named Henry Bockno. Both boys died at a young age. It was customary to name the first son after the father. If the child died, the next male born would be given the father's name. The Archdiocesan archivist Charles Nolan said that in 2005, that even if DeLille had given birth to two children out of wedlock, it happened two years before her confirmation in 1834. Her biographer, Benedict Father Cyprian Davis, said that her confirmation showed her increased commitment to God as did her life in the following years. And as I said in my um, canonization video, which you really need to go check out, it's extremely interesting. Um, the canonization of a saint isn't to say that the person was perfect. It's to say that this person le led a virtuous life and they tried their best to follow all the virtues, the three theological virtues and the heavenly virtues. And maybe they missed, mixed up, maybe they slipped here and fell there, but they tried their best and their lives are to be looked up to and they are a good example. That's what sainthood is about. So if she had children out of wedlock, that is totally irrelevant uh, to her sanctification because she did that and she moved on in a way that God would have liked, just like many people did bad things that they came back from. Peter denied Jesus three times, but he turned around and he became the leader of the whole church. So, you know, there's um, lots of things about saints that uh, might not be perfect, but that's not the point of a saint for them to be perfect. The point is that, did they live up to God's expectation? All right, let's talk about the founding of the Sisters of the Holy Family. In 1835, DeLille's mother, Marie Joseph, suffered a nervous breakdown. Later that year, the court declared her incompetent and granted DeLille control of her mother's assets. After providing for her mother's care, DeLille sold all her remaining property. In 1836, she used the sale proceeds to found a small, unrecognized congregation or order of nuns, which she named as the Sisters of the Presentation. The original members consisted of Delau, seven other young Creole women, and a young French woman. They cared for the sick, helped the poor, and instructed free and enslaved children as and adults. They took into their home elderly women who needed more than visitation and thereby opened America's first Catholic home for the elderly. Wow, that's interesting. I did not know that. So it was actually DeLille who, who had the first Catholic home for the elderly. That is very interesting. You learn something new. 
Her brother, Jean, De Le Jean I, it's French names. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing them wrong. It was Jean or John. I don't know. John DeLille was strongly opposed to her activities. He, like other members of their family, could pass for white. And I talked about this. I believe, I yes, I talked about this in Father Augustus Tolton's video. Passing for white back in the day, about 200 years ago, um, was uh, basically you were light enough that when you walked around the world, people would assume you were white and you just wouldn't correct their assumption. Some black people who were mixed could pass for white and they did. But other people who were much darker had no choices for that kind of life. So it was a very contentious kind of thing, people who, who passed for white because it's kind of like, it's to people who are darker, it's like, it's unfair. You are... You know, you are trying to get the best of life by just pretending to be someone you're not, just by lying to people. So, I mean, I'm not saying passing for right was right or wrong. I'm just telling you what it was. The DeLille children were Octoroons. So they had a quarter um, of African and three quarters of European ancestry. Seven eighths, oh, sorry, uh, seven eighths European or why interesting. He felt that his sister's activities within the Creole community exposed his partial African ancestry to his white associates. So he was mad that she was going around and helping black people and hanging around with black people because he didn't want it to be exposed that he really had a portion of his, you know, one eighth. He was one eighth black. Exchange from Henriette, Jean DeLille moved with his wife and children away from New Orleans to a small Creole of color community in Iberia Parish, Louisiana, called uh, Flea Coast. The agricultural area is now known as Grand Marais. It is the area of the Bayou Teche between present-day Olivier, Louisiana to below Generette, Louisiana. Okay, recognition, sisters of the Holy Family. In 1837, Father Etienne Rousselon of New Orleans secured formal recognition of the new congregation from the Holy See. DeLille took the title of mother in order, uh, mother, sorry, mother of the order in 1842. The congregation changed its name to the Sisters of the Holy Family. Henriette DeLille continued to live a life of service to the poor of New Orleans. And formal recognition just means that Rome says, yes, your order is cool, they're legit, and you can go out and continue helping people. Um, she died in 1862 at the age of 49 during the American Civil War when the city was occupied by Union troops. Friends attributed her death to a life of service, poverty, and hard work. And a lot of people around this time, a lot of the biographies I'm doing, they die around the age of 50, 40s, and 50s. So we have it really good. Nowadays, uh, at the recording of this video, life expectancies are much higher. My grandmother is about 103 or 104, and she is very healthy. So we, uh, people at my age, can look forward to potentially living around that time. Uh, twice as long as somebody in the 19th century. That is pretty amazing. It's sad that she died at 49, but she did live a life of service, poverty, and hard work. So she was happy at her death.
Okay. At the time of DeLille's death on Sunday, November 16th of 1862, the order had 12 members. The sisters were noteworthy for their care of the sick and the dying during the yellow fever epidemic that struck New Orleans in 1853 and 1897. Let's talk about the yellow fever a little bit. It's a viral disease of typically short duration. In most cases, symptoms include fever, chills, loss of appetite, nausea, muscle pains, particularly in the back, and headaches. Symptoms typically improve within five days. But um, yeah, it was a pretty bad yellow fever outbreaks in 1853 and 1897 that the Sisters of the Holy Family helped with. By 1909, the order had grown to 150 members. It operated parochial schools in New Orleans that served 1,300 students. And a parochial school is just a private primary or secondary school, which is affiliated with a religious organization. So a parochial school is like a Catholic school or a Baptist school, something like that. In this period, the state of Louisiana had disenfranchised most African-Americans and disenfranchisement uh, means that they wrote a series of laws and they made new constitutions that were deliberately used to prevent black citizens from registering to vote. So um, they raised barriers to voter registration and imposed legal segregation of public facilities, including schools. By 1950, membership in the order peaked at 400. That's pretty amazing. So in 1909, the order grew to 150 members, but it didn't really grow like, you know, uh, uh, in a huge way because of the disenfranchisement of African-Americans, of black people. But by 1950, it did grow to about 400. It should have grown much larger, but, you know, people do crazy things when they don't believe that other people deserve the same love that they do. And this is the kind of same focus I keep going back to over and over. There's three theological virtues, right? Faith, uh, love, faith, hope, and love. And love is super important. We need to love others as we should love ourselves. And we cannot have racism, segregation, and uh, all these different things if we love. It's that simple. If we love God, God will show us how to love. And God loves without looking at race or creed or anything because we're all humans. In God's eyes, he created all of us humans. So that's just one of the things I keep going back to with these biographies. That's really important. The order today, the Sisters of the Holy Family remain active today. It's more than 300 members serve the poor by operating free schools for children, nursing homes, and retirement homes in New Orleans and Shreveport, Louisiana, Washington, D.C., Galveston, Texas, Little Rock, Arkansas, and California in the United States, and a mission in Belize. So that's pretty interesting. They're still around today. And if somebody wanted to become um, a nun in the Sisters of the Holy Family, there's uh, one, two, three, four, five, six places in the U.S. they can go, and they could also go to Belize if they wanted to. Death, honors, and cause of beatification. DeLille died in 1862 with a reputation of holiness. The city of New Orleans named a street as Henriette DeLille in her honor. In 1988, her order opened the cause for her canonization with the Holy See. She became the first United States native-born African-American whose cause for canonization has been officially opened. Her cause was endorsed unanimously in 1997 by the United States Catholic bishops. Pope Benedict XVI approved her heroic virtues and named her venerable on March 27th of 2010. The Congregation for the Causes of Saints gave its formal assent on June 22nd, 2010 for the commencement of the cause of beatification with a declaration of Nihil Obstat. They have nothing against her. DeLille was given the title of Servant of God. 
A claimed miracle by her intercession was being investigated in 2005. And by 2017, other miracles attributed to her were under medical scrutiny. So we, so there have been miracles attributed to her, but they have to research them for many years in order to find out if that miracle, you know, it, it, lives up to all the expectations that the church puts on it because they just don't want to say everything's a miracle. They have to do a lot of scientific research on it. Film treatment. In 2001, the Lifetime Television Channel premiered a movie based on the life of Henriette DeLille called The Courage of Love, starring Vanessa Williams and Gil Bellows. I didn't know that. That that seems pretty interesting. I might have to watch that movie. Hmm. The Courage of Love television movie. And I want to talk about further reading. So there is a book by Cyprian Davis. If you want to learn more about Henriette DeLille, it is called Henriette DeLille, Servant of Slave, Witness to the Poor. So if you want to learn a lot more about Henriette DeLille, go ahead and read this book by Cyprian Davis called Henriette DeLille, Servant of Slaves, Witness to the Poor. And that's it. So what can we learn from Henriette DeLille's life? Venerable Mother Henriette DeLille. So first of all, she was a free woman of, of color. But like her brother, she was one. She was one seventh black. Like her brother, she could have passed, and she could have just went on with her life and done what her mother asked to be, to just kind of have a common law marriage with somebody and go on about life and and try to have a good life. But she felt this calling by God to help other people. She didn't want to hide her race. She helped the people who needed help the most, and at that time, that was black people and other people who were in the poor, lower classes of society. And she even taught slave children who who it was illegal at the time to teach them. So what can we learn from her? First of all, that we have to accept who we are. God accept us, accepts us as we are. The only thing God wants us to change about ourselves is our sin. God wants us to stop sinning. He doesn't want us to be more beautiful. He doesn't want us to be more strong. He doesn't want us to be the best racer, the best fighter, football player, whatever, singer, rapper. No, God, number one, wants us to stop sinning and to do more good, to love him more. That's it. That's it. God doesn't want us to change anything else about ourselves. Our hair, our eye color, it's irrelevant. God wants us to love him more. And how do we do that? By stopping sinning as much as we can through his grace. And he also wants us to help others because he wants us to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, right? So what Mother Henriette DeLille shows us is that we can help others and we don't have to do anything special or amazing. She just taught kids whether they were slaves or not. She helped old people. We can all do those things. We can help old people. We all have grandparents that we can go out and help. We have people who are in nursing homes who maybe you just go over there. If you know how to play the piano, just go over there. In a lot of nursing homes, there's pianos there. Just go over there and play the piano. Maybe you play guitar. Go over there and play the guitar for them. Go over there and just pray for them or sing some hymns. So old people need people to come in and just right now you can't because of we all know I'm not going to talk about that issue. But um, when things kind of calm down, go over there and do that for them, right? Help, helping kids to learn. We have a lot of kids that can't read, especially in poor neighborhoods. Maybe you can go in a library and just set up shop there for an hour or so and just read books to kids. Lots of studies have shown that reading to kids is how they learn how to read better. So maybe you can just go there 
and read to kids. And, and that can be a way to help them. And um, so there's many things that you can do right now. So we can't just say, well, God hasn't led me to do anything like that. Sometimes you just have to take your own initiative and go out and say, how can I help? And God will then lead you further on from there. So Mother Venerable Mother Henriette DeLille, who is from, I can tell, the closest Black American to be to canonization. So she is just two miracles away from canonization as a saint. And that'll be really cool. So that's it for today. God bless and stay holy, my friends.